<laughs> Thanks, ladies. Uh, yeah, my name's Clint. Uh, it's good to see you guys, uh, whether you're joining us you know, here in person or online. Um, I wore my super fluffy shirt today because it was so cold, and yet I'm still cold, but I'm sweating at the same time. So that's kind of the mood we're in today, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, but thanks for joining us on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. There's lots of great stuff happening both today and then tomorrow to kind of honor Dr. King's life and his legacy. So if you're looking um, for ways to get involved, things to attend, I just want to encourage everybody. There's a really big list at uh, DuluthNAACP.org. So you can go ahead and check that out. There's some breakfast, there's some worship services, lots of different stuff. Uh, but this morning, like Steph and Rachel said, I get to continue on in our series about the nature and character qualities of Jesus and how seeing the beauty of Jesus Jesus transforms our hearts. It transforms us into uh, people who can help usher in God's kingdom, his perfect rule and reign here on earth. And today, I get to talk about joy. Now, in this series, I love the way that Steph talked about it last week. So if you haven't heard Steph's talk, I'd encourage you, go back, check it out, because it's really good. But she said that um, this transformation, it's not about, like, a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about checking boxes like she mentioned in, in the giving announcement. This is about heart transformation. This is about following a person. It's not about trying to manage our behaviors. It's about looking at the beauty of the person of Jesus and letting that beauty mold us and shape us into the beautiful people that God created us to be. So today, let's talk about joy. And if you type joy into the internet, because that's what I do whenever I have a topic, I Google the words in my topic. Joy is defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And so I think it's a really great exercise to take time out of our day and focus on the things that bring us joy. I do this uh, all the time with my, with my girls. I got two little ones. Uh, Clara, she just had her fifth birthday party. Oh, yeah. She wanted a, a sparkly gold queen birthday. So I made this gold monstrosity of a cake. Come up, find me afterwards. I'll show you pictures because it's ridiculous. Um, but Clara's five. Lucy just turned three. So every night before we go to bed, I say, girls, what made you happy today? I say, what made you happy today? And they share things. You know, usually Clara, she's like really people focused. So she's like, oh, playing with my friend Aubrey, spending time with my mommy. That's the stuff that made me happy. Lucy, she's got her own tastes. Just about every day she goes, I'm thankful for milk and our cats, Dexter and Morgan. <laughs> so, you know, she kind of marches to the beat of her own drum. Uh, although last night, what did she say? She goes, I'm thankful for some peace and quiet today. She's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> three years old. Got it, hud. Uh, but then we take those things that they share and we turn that into what we pray about. God, we thank you for our cats, Dexter and Morgan. We thank you for milk, almond milk, goat milk, 2%, 1%, whole. You know, we thank God for all these good things in our life. So I want to start today by doing this exercise. We're going to put 30 seconds on the Siri and everybody try to come up with three things that gave you joy within the last 24 hours. So you can write them down if you got a pen, type them into your phone, keep them in your head space. But don't forget these three things because for my grand finale, my big finish, we're going to come back to these three things. Don't overthink it. Don't over-spiritualize it. Three things, last 24 hours, go. Hey, Siri, 
set a 30-second timer. 30 seconds. Down. Thank you, Siri. Is that my swallow? Can you guys hear me swallowing? <laughs> oh, I was like, who's calling me? That's the timer. Okay. <laughs> I didn't practice this part of the message. Did you guys, did you find your three things? Yeah, was that fun? A little bit of joy this morning? Uh, hopefully this brought you kind of into that space of joy, because sometimes we can rush right past joy, just in the hustle and bustle of our day, and we can completely forget that this whole thing is about having fun. Following Jesus, like joy is a central part of that. Joy is a central part of following Jesus. Anybody kind of surprised to hear that? That Christians, we should be oozing with joy. Now, sometimes I forget about this, and I get like really hung up on the discipline of following Jesus, of, of the sacrifice, of taking up my cross daily and following him, and I forget all about joy. But if we look at the Bible, if we look at Scripture, joy is all over the story of Jesus. Before Jesus was born, we see uh, baby John the Baptist in his mom's stomach, is Mary and the unborn Jesus come close the baby in Elizabeth's stomach, this baby John, leaps for joy. When Jesus was born, we read in Luke 2 that this angel shows up and he starts talking to these shepherds that are tending their flocks. And the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And during Jesus' life, his first miracle that we see recorded in John 2 was to change water into the best kind of wine to keep a party going. That's joy. And, uh, you know, I don't, it's not written down, but I'm pretty sure that after Jesus changed the water into wine, he kicked the lame DJ out of the booth, and he played all your favorite wedding songs. You know, he played Cotton Eye Joe. He played Sweet Caroline, Ice Ice Baby, Wagon Wheel. And then, of course, he ended the night with Piano Man, because you have to. Jesus, Jesus knew how to party. He knew how to have fun. He knew how to bring joy into lives. And even the stories of Jesus' life, you know, we call them the Gospels. Uh, the word gospel means good news. It means joyful news. And this is the kind of news, picture it with me if you can. Like when you're a kid and you go to sleep and you're just stressed out about school because you got those big tests and things going on. And then you wake up, <gasps> gasp, snow day. Unexpected joy. Gospel news. So look at the good news that Jesus brought. In Mark 1, this is the, like the first public message that Jesus gave. He was walking around and he said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Because this is good news. The time has come. There's no more waiting for God. The kingdom of God is at hand. You can reach out and touch it. Repent and believe. In other words, act, live like this is true. This is joy. Jesus, God, has come. Joy has come into the world. You don't need to be afraid anymore. You don't need to be alone anymore. You don't need to wonder if you're good enough because you are accepted. God has come. God has drawn close. If you reach out, you can touch him. So have joy. 
Now, I was thinking about this, and I remember when I was a little kid, I was a scared little kid. I was scared of everything, like my own shadow, freaking out about everything all the time. Um, but the worst time was at nighttime. Nights were especially bad. You know, I'd be sitting in my room, and I'd be like, there's monsters in here. I know it. They're coming for me. So then I'd like hide under my covers. But then I get scared that I'd be under my covers because I'm like, uh-oh, now they're moving closer. So then I pop out of my covers. I look around, but uh-oh, I can't see them. That means they're probably under my bed. Like I get really freaked out that these monsters are in my room and they're going to come and get me. So most nights, I would cry out to my dad. We had a small house. Um, my dad's room was right next to mine. And so I'd say, Dad, I'm scared. And he would say, Clint, you're 35, go to sleep. Because, <laughs> you know, this still happens. Um, but most nights, I'd cry out to dad, and he'd give me the pep talk, you know, that you give kids. I'm a parent now, so I'm giving it. Clint, there's no such thing as monsters. I'm right here. Close your eyes. Go to sleep. But I remember one night in particular, and as I was thinking about this, uh, I hadn't thought about this memory in a long time. I'm prepping this message, and it just jumps right back into my brain. It was so strong, I, I, it was like starting to get choked up. But I remember there was this one night in particular, and I'm sitting there, and I'm terrified. And so I, you know, you, you cry out, but you don't want to cry too loud, because then that'll like activate the monsters, and they'll come for you. So I like whisper, Dad, Dad, I'm scared. Without a word, I hear my dad get out of bed, and he starts walking towards me. I know I'm a little bit nervous, I'm like, uh-oh, is this the straw that broke the camel's back? Is the old man finally snapped? If I have to listen to you cry one more time. So now I'm a little apprehensive. But daddy comes into my room, and without saying a word, he gets into my bed. And he snuggles in next to me. He says, buddy, you're scared? I go, yeah. He goes, that's okay. I'm with you tonight. And we snuggled all night long. And I don't think I've ever in my entire life felt that safe. My dad was right there with me. And I didn't feel shame or guilt or like disappointment needing my dad to come rescue me. There wasn't that fear apprehension. It was pure joy. Because dad had drawn close. Dad had loved me enough to hop into bed with me. Isn't that just a beautiful illustration of our Father's love? The kingdom of God is at hand. You can reach out, you can touch it. And that's what transforms us. In that moment, I went from being this scared little kid into being a joyful little boy wrapped up in my dad's arms. Joy transforms us. It's what it does. Look at Jesus' parables in Matthew 13. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And these parables, these men, they find a treasure. And that treasure then becomes all that matters. They sell everything so that they can hold on to that treasure. Their lives are changed because of that treasure. In Jesus, we find that treasure. 
And that treasure brings joy. And that joy creates life change. Have you guys ever experienced this joy? This joy that completely changes everything. If not, you can today. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. The Holy Spirit is in this room right now waiting. Waiting for us to reach out. and Say, welcome. I want this. I want this joy. We can feel safe. We can feel loved because Jesus is joy and his kingdom is at hand. Maybe for some of us, you've experienced this, but it's been a long time. Maybe you had this treasure and you were all excited about it at first, but just time and life has made that treasure kind of lose its luster. What would it look like today to try to recapture that joy like the first time, to approach our relationship with God like it's fresh and new. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, Clint, all this talk about joy is great, but it's not the real world. There's pain, there's suffering, there's hurt. How am I supposed to walk around like the happy wanderer just whistling, experiencing joy when real bad stuff is happening? Well, friends, you know, I know that I kind of look like, you know, a six-year-old version of myself with a mustache on. I'm old enough to know that monsters are real. And they attack when we least expect it. They can be that diagnosis that we get from the doctor. They can be that statement from the bank that just shatters our world. Monsters are that feeling of betrayal when a friend stabs us in the back, when somebody does us wrong. Part of following Jesus is recognizing this tension. You got joy on one side, you got things like pain, suffering, grief, confusion on the other. You guys ever see that movie Inside Out? That Disney movie? And it's about that, uh, that girl, her name's Riley. She lives uh, in the greatest state in the Union, Minnesota, and her life is happy. And the movie kind of follows the emotions that live inside of her. You know, you got, uh, you got joy that's voiced by Leslie Nope, and then you got sadness that's uh, Phyllis from The Office. And when Riley is in Minnesota, life is pretty much controlled by joy. Everything is happy because, you know, Minnesota is amazing. But then she moves somewhere else. Oh, gosh, sadness takes over. And it's bad. And uh, spoiler alert, throughout the movie, we learn that two emotions, joy and sadness, can coexist at the same time, even with the same memories. For me, this was a revolutionary thought. Two emotions at once? Are you kidding me? Jesus talks about this, probably because he had more emotional range than I do. But in John 16, uh, paint the context, this is towards the end of Jesus' life. He's getting ready to go to the cross, so he starts to have some of these intense conversations with his disciples, telling him that, you know, I'm going to die, I'm going to go away, all this stuff. So we see in John 16, he talks about this tension. He talks about this confusion. He says, we're starting you know, uh, start in verse 17, at this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father. They kept, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? 
Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So jump back to verse 17 and 18. The disciples, they're confused. They've been hanging out with Jesus for about three years. They've seen him do all these miracles. And now he's talking about death. He's talking about going away. They don't get it. So, you know, he's coming up on his crucifixion. He knows that. The disciples don't. And if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you know that this can be confusing. Have you ever had something happen to you that made you cry out and just ask, God, why? God, why? If you love me, if you care about me, why does this happen? You know, we don't have to look very far to find instances of this. Uh, just this week, there was a horrible shooting in Cloquet. God, why? There's been loss after loss in our own community. God, why? I don't understand. How would you let this happen? Why would you let this happen? There's confusion. Look how Jesus responds to his friends as they're all confused about what he's saying. First, he acknowledges it. He says, uh, is what you're saying, it's like he acknowledges the confusion. He says, I know, it doesn't make sense. And then he paints a realistic picture for them. He says, you will grieve. You will grieve. Let's pause right there. Uh, Jesus never promised us an easy life. I really wish he did. I really wish that the only emotion we could ever feel was this joy. That's not how it works. Uh, in fact, a little farther down in this chapter 16, in verse 33, Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. But in both of these verses, there's a promise afterwards. In this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We can have joy because of who Jesus is. Jesus is joy, and nothing can change that. So if we jump back to the verse, he says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then he talks about childbirth. A woman giving birth experiences pain, but then that pain is transformed into joy. The very thing that was causing the pain, this child, is the source of joy. Now, let's unpack this a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Now, I've never given birth. I'm told that labor is painful. I've been birth adjacent. I thought it was pretty cool. Maybe your experience isn't my experience. But that baby brings so much joy into the world. The thing that brought pain brings joy. Now we need to pause here and I want to clarify something. And this is really important. What I'm not saying is that all suffering is sent by God to teach us a lesson. 
What I'm not saying is that we need to reframe everything in a positive light and look for the bright side. I'm not saying that. Some things that happen in the world are just plain evil. They're just evil. Some of us have had things done to us that were wrong, that were terrible, that should never have happened. And for me to stand up here and say, well, you just need to think about the joy that it can bring, that's not how Scripture works. That would be a disservice. That would be a heresy. That would be a lie. That's not what this verse is about. When Jesus used this this, uh, illustration of childbirth, he's talking about how he is going to defeat evil once and for all. In this analogy, Jesus is the woman experiencing labor. Uh, Where he says her hour has come, a more accurate translation would be like, or he says her time has come, a more accurate translation would be um, her hour has come which was a phrase that Jesus used over and over to talk about himself. Like back at the wedding, he said, he's talking to his mom, he goes, my hour hasn't yet come. What he's saying is my hour is coming and there will be pain and there will be anguish, but through that will be great joy. Through my pain and anguish, I am bringing hope and healing to the world. He says, you will see me again and you will rejoice. Because what I'm doing, nobody can take that from you. No amount of hurt or pain can cancel out what I'm doing. So as followers of Jesus, we believe that when Jesus comes back the second time, he's going to set everything right. There'll be no more uh, pain, no more suffering, no more mourning. In fact, the way that Revelation talks about it, as all that stuff will be like erased from history, like it never happened. I don't know how that's possible, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But when Jesus says, you will see me, he's not talking about the second coming. He's not talking about the last day. Most of the commentators agree that what Jesus is actually talking about is his resurrection. When his resurrection happened, everything was defeated. When his resurrection happened, he gave us access to him. We can reach out and touch him. There's no more barrier, there's no more veil between us and God. Our circumstances, the positions we find ourselves in, whether good or the worst kind of bad, doesn't change the fact that Jesus loves us, that he died for our sins, and that we have access to God. In uh, John 16, verse 23, uh, he says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is joy, and joy is available to us right now. All we got to do is ask. Remember, he said the good news that joy is that we can reach out and touch the kingdom. Jesus is within arm's reach. His suffering brought us joy. And that joy is accessible all the time. All we have to do is ask. And that joy will draw close, will transform us. So let's put some wheels on this thing. Um, It's good to talk about it. It's better to live it. So how do we do this? How do we become transformed from the inside out? How do we experience this joy? Well, the first thing that Jesus uh, says to the disciples in John 16 is, you know, we, we see that the disciples are with Jesus. 
So we have to learn how to see Jesus. Uh, Paul talks about it this way. In 2 Corinthians verse 3, he says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more we are with the Lord, the more we can gaze upon his beauty, the more space we can create in our lives to experience this transformation. So I think about it this way. I'm a big analogy guy. So I got an analogy for you. It's not perfect, but you know, here's what it is. Um, you guys ever watch kittens play together? Yeah, hopping around, jumping, uh, pretending to hide, and they pounce on each other. Like, I love watching kittens play. No matter what I'm feeling, anger, sorrow, sadness, frustration, if I can just find me a whole passel of kittens to watch, pretty soon their joy becomes my joy. I'm like, look at that little gray one. Oh, he thinks he's hiding. I can, I can see you, you silly little guy. I can't stay mad when I'm watching kittens. Maybe you don't like cats. Maybe for you it's puppies. Maybe it's fish, birds, babies, I don't know. What's the thing that when you just look at it, that joy is infectious? Because when we gaze on the person of Jesus, when we spend time with him, when we draw close into his presence, when we see his beauty, his majesty, his compassion, his wisdom, man, that's what changes us. How much better at bringing joy is God than kittens? So how can you do that this week? How can you draw close to God? How can you put yourself in his presence? Maybe it's through worship. We're going to have a chance to do that again at the end. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's spending time serving other people so you can, you can experience what it's like to bring joy and happiness to others. Maybe it's by studying scripture and like falling in love with this creative God who spoke the world into existence. Think about that. The stuff that they're seeing with that James Webb telescope. Is that what it's called? James Webb? The things they're seeing out there with the James Webb telescope, all that beauty, all that majesty was spoken into creation by the same God who knows how many hairs are on your head. By the same God that loves you that wants to draw close to you. So if we hop back into our verse, we see that the disciples are with Jesus. And then Jesus tells them to ask. He says ask uh, several different times in that verse. And the word that we, uh, we use ask to cover two different words. With me? Two different words in the old language get clumped into one word, and the word is ask. So the first word that they use means to, to inquire. So when we're in God's presence, we can question things. It's a safe spot to question. I don't know about you, but I've been with people before um, where it was not safe to ask questions. You ask questions, you get your hand slapped, you get told, because I said so. That's not God. You can draw close. You can ask questions. When you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you don't understand, you can say, God, why? Uh, it was... Thursday, Thursday I was prepping my message. I'm sitting at my kitchen table. And I get a text with just some terrible news. Made me really, really mad. And it's kind of hard to write a message about joy when you're super mad and angry. But uh, I thought I could power through it and just get it done. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should practice what I preach. So I sat there. I took a deep breath. 
said, Holy Spirit, come. I welcomed in God's presence. And I said, God, why? Why are we still dealing with this thing? Why is this like this? I said, God, where are you in the middle of this? We don't have to be afraid to ask. We can inquire. So in that moment, I'm sitting there at my kitchen table. I'm sorry, my dining room table. My five-year-old would correct me. Sitting at my dining room table, I said, God, where are you in the midst of this? And then I felt like this peace kind of wash over me. And uh, in my head, I heard God whisper, I'm right with you. I was like, ah, oh, man. I don't need all the answers because that right there in that moment was enough. God, where are you? Clint, I'm with you. All right. So where do you need to draw close to God with your questions? What's stopping you? Are you afraid that if you ask a question, he won't answer? Or are you afraid that maybe he will answer and you're not going to like what you hear? What do you need? How can you create space in your life to ask those hard questions this week? Uh, the other word that we translate as ask uh, really does mean like ask. Ask for things. Request. So when we're in God's presence, we can ask for what we need. Lord, I'm frustrated. Will you bring me peace? My kids won't stop asking me questions. Will you give me patience? Will you give me joy? Lord, I need your help in forgiving somebody. I can't do this on my own. Will you help me? We can ask for those things, but let's not lose sight of the biggest prayer of all. Jesus, I love the stuff that you give me, peace, patience, forgiveness, but what I really want is more of you, more of you in my life, more of your presence. Let your presence bring joy. I don't just want your stuff, I want you. So as we uh, begin to wind down, start to close, I want to point something out here just, just to everybody. This message that I've been talking about today, everything is very self-centered, very focused on the individual. How can I get more peace? How can I experience more joy? So let's just, as a reminder, one of the reasons that we move inward and work on our own healing and transformation is so that we can then move outward, so that we can bring joy to other people. Our transformation can fuel other people's transformation. The fire of our joy could ignite joy in other people. And in Matthew 28, Jesus commanded us to go, but he said, when you go, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. So friends, how are we being invited to go with Jesus and to bring joy to others? What would it look like for us to open our hearts and lives to other people in a way to bring them joy. You know, we can invite our coworkers over for dinner. Uh, we can act as mentors to people. We can be a really, really amazing friends, not because we're rock stars, but because we're filled up with this joy that can't be taken away. And uh, this can, we don't have to overthink this. How can you bring joy to others this week? It can be as simple as offering somebody a smile or a compliment. Uh, it could be something even smaller, like, you know, no, remember that list? The list I had you fill out, that thing? 
I told you I was coming back, didn't I? You could share that list with somebody. Hey, you know, I was just thinking, and I had a really great time this weekend. On Saturday, we went and did this thing. It was so much fun. You can share that with somebody. Our joy can ignite joy in others. You share your list with somebody and say, did you do anything this weekend that made you happy? You begin to draw that joy up and out of people. It could be something small like that. It could be something big. For example, what would it look like to do something big, like, I don't know, become a foster parent? You can share that, that joy of feeling safe and secure with kids whose worlds have just been flipped upside down, who don't feel joy, who don't feel safety, who don't feel security. What are the things, big and small, that Jesus is inviting you into? So to finish up, we're going to uh, go back to our list. So either look at your list or think about your list in your head. What I want everybody to do right now is we're going to try this. Everybody take a deep breath with me. In and out. And when I breathe, I'm reminded that uh, like God breathed life into the first humans. Breath becomes a way that we can connect with the Holy Spirit. So one more time, in, Holy Spirit, come. Draw close into God's presence. And now look at your list and ask God, God, where are you in this joy? God, where are you in my list? And I'll take a moment and just ask, God, is there anywhere this week that I've gotten bogged down in the confusion, in the grief, in the pain, and I missed out on the joy that you are offering. Where in real life do you want to transform my grief, my pain, into joy? Then ask God, ask God where, like where he wants you to bring joy for others. How is he inviting you to spread the joy of the relationship with Jesus, the joy of the kingdom to people in your circles? And where is he inviting you to stare on the beautiful Jesus, to feel his love, to feel his transformation? Where is he inviting you to let your heart be changed and transformed? Because that's what joy does. So let's start that uh, right now. Friends, we're going to move into ministry time, which is just an opportunity to respond. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up with me. Um, and there's nothing magic about standing up. It's not like, oh, no, I'm closer to heaven. No, this just kind of signifies a change. And we are, I like to think of it as we are holistic creatures. So what we do in our bodies uh, can reflect what we do in our spirits. So by standing up, we're just acknowledging, like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive so friends, I'm going to pray over us. I got a couple of things that I think that God might want to do. And then we're going to continue to worship. And at any point, prayer ministry team, people, you can start making your way up front. Um, we have a team of people that loves to pray with you here at the Vineyard. This is another way to share your joy with others and to experience the joy of the Lord in having somebody pray for you. But friends, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. 
We thank you that you are the God of joy. So Lord, would you fill us up even more right now with that knowledge that that joy can't be taken away. That nothing that we do, big or small, can cancel out that joy. And I think that there's uh, probably a couple of us here today that you had a hard time coming up with your list of three things. It's just been one of those weeks. So if that's you, I just want to pray over you right now. This Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring hope and healing to those spots of despair? Would you let those friends that have had this terrible week just know your love and your mercy and your grace? Would you speak to them those words, like, I'm here with you? Would you deposit joy right now? Father, in those spots where we don't feel joy, would you just meet us in those? In the hardships and the pain and the loss? Would you draw in close, bring joy, even if the situation doesn't immediately change? I just want to echo one of the things that Zena said this morning, that there's probably some of us here that we have that thing that we feel like we're supposed to surrender, but we just can't. And that thing is becoming an obstacle for our relationship with God. It's blocking our joy. So if that's you, and once we start worshiping, I'm just going to invite you to come forward and receive prayer about that thing. See if God wants to break through, wants to deposit that joy in us. And for some of us, I feel like we've been living in that spot where we've been faking the positivity where we've just been trying to soldier on like everything's okay when it's really not. So Father, right now, would you break through that thin veneer of positivity and bring real joy and real transformation? So Lord, would you fill us up? Would you give us everything that we need to love and serve you, to experience your joy and that bring that joy to other people? So friends, I want to invite you to come forward and get prayer. We're going to continue to worship. Uh, stay safe. Stay warm. Thank you so much for coming to the vineyard.